Hey, friend. Hey. I know you're working with those college students. Have you talked to them about insurance? You know, that's a great question. Some of them know about it, but sometimes I think it's a conversation that falls by the wayside until it's too late. I think you should talk to them about Grad Guard higher education coverage. It can cover their residence hall and it can even cover up their tuition and other expenses. Tuition? Tuition. I know they don't know about that. I know they don't either. So you should talk to them and tell them to go to gradguard.com forward slash higher ed to find out all of the details about how they can get covered and protect themselves in the future. I'm going to share that with my students and parents this week. Welcome to season four of The Meeting After The Meeting with your co-hosts, LaFerrin, Antonio, Kiana, Abby, Curtis, and David. Now, let's start the show. Hey, y'all. We back. Hey. What up? Back for another week. We back. Curtis got this muscle shirt on today. Okay. You, you ready for the gun show? What's happening? Starting nothing on this podcast. I'm starting nothing. Ooh. <laughs> Let me see your muscles. <laughs> see, the lady's going to be asking for a live show, another live show. <laughs> Another live show. How about we trying to see, see Curtis and Like, Mindy. what Curtis got on today? I'm going to have on this sweater. We're going to have this sweater gang going. Can't be showing off too much now. Come on, sweater season. Anyway, let me tell y'all what I'm excited about. Fall is upon us. Yay. In the air. I said, yes, Chris. That's one thing I love about living in North Carolina. I actually get to experience the seasons change. Um, And fall is one of my favorite seasons. And the reason is because my boot gain is strong. Come on, boots. Listen, I go from booties to a good thigh high boot, and I'm so excited. <laughs> so what is y'all's favorite fall piece of attire? What you looking for in this new season of colorful fallen leaves? Yeah. Oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> okay, Kiana, Kiana. Okay, so in addition to sweater season and the boot game, you got to also have that good scarf game on lock. I am all about, you got to, well, as a singer, you got to keep that throat protected, right? And so, you know, having that good sweater along with, or either that good scarf so you can do that good wrap, you know, just let it hang or do that one little, little layover where you can layer it because you can do a lot. A scarf can really jazz up an outfit when you are tired and, you know, working through this pandemic. It is hard and you don't want to coordinate and trying to get back into the rhythm of putting on real clothes. Your accessories have to be right. And I love a good scarf to go with a good boot. You can jazz it up and go from day to evening, good happy hour transition. And you're like, oh, you did a lot, but you didn't. You just threw on that good matching scarf to coordinate. How about you cute, you cute? You cute. What the men wearing? What the what's what's, what's, what's popular? What y'all doing? Now see, because I am I love a good boot too. I think uh, men have good boots, uh, but I also love scarves. Now my now my scarf collection is plenteous, so I got over thirty pieces. All right, you know I've lived all over these United States, so I've collected mm-hmm. a scarf or two. Uh, 
as I've gone. So it is definitely scarves are my my piece that I'm looking forward to. Um, what's really good fall? You gotta have one or two coats, okay? Yes. For a good fall, you gotta have a one or yes. one or two good coats. You need you. A good pea coat. Everybody needs a good pea coat. I was just yes, gonna say, yes. Antonio P, you got the pea coat. Now, is the pea okay. coat still a staple? It is. It it will remain a staple. Now it may change the look. You know, it gonna change the look. And then you're gonna need you a good what I'm gonna call a good a good Carmen San Diego, a good uh, uh, Inspector Gadget. You know, yeah, you, the need, trench. you need look the trench. The yes, trench. you gotta you go in the, the trenches. You 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 need a good <laughs> trench. Okay, for fall. So to set it off and keep your colors blue, tan, mm-hmm. gray, charcoal. So mm-hmm. now, charcoal. now you put them all three together, a trench, a light scarf, and a fire boot, and you won't disappoint the people. You won't. Okay. You won't disappoint. Gotta go with that. I, I think when, when fall just hit, like, like not, not deep into fall, but when it first hit, I think a, a, your jacket game needs to be tight, too. Like, I'm a good, I, I enjoy a nice little leather jacket to go with the with the slacks and the shoes. Absolutely. And the other accessory that I think gets slept on a lot is if you happen to be somebody who wears bifocals or whatever it is, if you have your, if your glasses game is tight to go along with your jacket, you, you're going to be starting some stuff. So yes. you need yes. a new pair of frames. Absolutely. Yeah. Be fresh. Change up the frames to go along with that jacket and make sure your shoes tight. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, the Lord that's, I can't see it over here, but Curtis got this wood-looking he frame. Do. Over he over do. He do. With the muscle shirt. Ew. I was ready for that shit, people. Ready. Come on. <laughs> ready. The Lord is still blessing with this 2020. So, mm-hmm. but UV protection is still real. So if yes. you are not um, wearing um, eyeglasses to read, see, live in the world, you still need to have that protection so that that 2020 stays intact. So you still need a good fall sunglass, you know, to be out here because it's we still got some good sunny days ahead of us. You know, the sun is setting early, but, you know, you might be running the lunch or, you know, the sun might still be out as you tip on out to the happy hour. So you need still a good pair of sunglasses. The one thing that we didn't say is a good hat now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a good brim because mm-hmm. I get to the people. But when you also have a fade and that wind catches the back of your neck, mm-hmm. and you may have a scarf on it. A good hat helps with that. So if you, you match it and pairing up, it's real good. And with your good coat, I, there's a really nice animal print coat um, that Torrid is selling. I don't work for Torrid. I'm just saying. And if anybody ever want to bless me, just let me know. I'll let you know what you can do. But uh, Torrid has this really nice animal print that I want so bad because I'm ready. I have a hat in mind. I have the boot already. It may end up in my closet. <laughs> Come on, animal print. So, yes, the prints are also good for the fall. I feel like, you know, you're, this is where... The jungle <laughs> can come on out, be on safari with the good animal. The cheetah, the leopard, you know, um, every once in a while, folks get real exotic with a zebra print here or there. I don't know too much. I ain't too much for that. But Now, you know, some people do zebra print. They do. Leopard print all year long. They, they There's do. no season for it. Um, it should we, be. We send, we send blessings to be. them. Okay, send blessings to them. And don't call Peter on us. No. No. It's foe. It's it's foe. 
We ain't Corella DeVille around here. Because you remember how out. folks would be out here, because thinking about the leather, Curtis was talking about like everybody had that good Wilson's mm-hmm. leather. Mm-hmm. You made that, that pilgrimage to the outlet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, a good outlet mall to go to your la- your latest Wilson's. So I miss mm-hmm. I miss good good mall shopping like that. Mm-hmm. We don't do that no more. A Burlington action. Have them on sale. Right. I mm-hmm. think it was Antonio I was talking to. Burlington got everything but coats. But Burlington, <laughs> I went into I went I went into Burlington and they had one coat, not one in Burlington Coat Factory. And someone had to inform me that they are no longer Kiana informed me. I was like, they're what? more than just coats. They have lies and fairy tales. Lies and fairy tales, right? Stick with what you know. You should have stuck with the coat game because it looked like a cheap version of TJ Maxx. Mm-hmm. It will, it is. It is. Oh, bless. I mean, can we say what it is? I mean, it's all right. I, I mean, call a thing a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big TJ Maxx fan. I'll take a Burlington. Anyway. But with all of that, folks, what are we talking about today? What are we giving to the people on this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day? Yeah. So uh, this is the season, y'all know, um, keeping with the great resignation but moving beyond that a lot of folks are getting new new gigs a lot of folks are getting new gigs and uh they're moving up moving up in leadership moving up into top positions and uh one of the conversations that folks have been having is i moved up now what you're now in a space where your colleagues are fewer you may be the only one uh in a role like yours um, not many other people who can identify, hey, doing what you do in your space. And so now what? What do I do now when, when you're in the seat, you're in charge, and how are you executing your vision? What, what do you do to uh, move a people, move a, a, an organization forward? And how do you, let's dig into some of the detail of that, not the, just the cliche, you know, people give you these nice words, but how do you do this now? Right? Like it's time you got the job, you done, you know, showed off your nice resume and your Vita, but now it's time to work. What does that look like day one, getting to work? I think it's interesting when we talk about, you know, the great resignation in this season, right? Because we talked about this a season ago in terms of the show, in terms of us talking about, we knew that once we got on this side of the pandemic, and we're not done with it, that we were going to see people leaving, right? Particularly those who have been in senior level roles for as long as they have, because this is not what they signed up for. And it's like, I'm going to get us to this point, and then I need to reevaluate. Like, right. The interesting part is that they're not the only ones reevaluating. So I think when you talk about what what happens day one, you have to really understand the climate in which you are coming into and why you are why they chose you. So there's something that you presented during your interview process, during all of that stuff that said this is what we need for where we are right now. Right. And so it's to really understand and assess why you are in this role and this season. Right. Um, Because then I think understanding that helps you understand now, then how do we move forward? I think that's that's pivotal. And anyone who's hiring a new person coming up into one of these roles, the conversation that I've had with everyone who I've hired was I told them this is why it's you versus someone else. 
and this role is yours. You don't have to worry about someone else. It's yours. And this is what we need now. And I think one of the first questions that anyone has to think about and ask is, are there charges? And is there a demand on the position? How was, was your role created out of demand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was there a new vision uh, that happened or a new direction that folks want to go in? They may have some concept of where they want to go, but they need a subject matter expert to take them in that direction. You need to figure out what are the charges? What is, is there an, is there an agenda, right? Yeah. And whose agenda? And, uh, yes. It's, it's a whose agenda. Whose agenda matters? Yes. Cause you could be thinking based on what you have, like what your supervisor that you're walking into, like what they have said to you, but you never know if your vice president, vice chancellor, your enrollment management folks, your provost have a different agenda. Your president has a different agenda for this role, right? And what they see will be the next movement for your department or whatever. And I think that's always key. Like we talk about the chessboard, you need to understand who is actually moving these pieces and what why you were chosen. That's why, you know, often as an interviewer, um, and serving as one of the people that helps execute a lot of our selection processes um, and serving on as a campus partner um, on a lot of other interview teams and coming in. The question I always like to ask is, what are your top priorities for the first 90 days or 90 and you want to stretch it to 120 days? Because that's going to set the foundation and the tone for your time or it should and so it's important to you know like whose vision are you executing and what are their priorities because their priorities are should be your priorities and how you move forward in that like that question is very important and I think often candidates that then become the successful candidate sometimes often forget about that or they have a good solid answer but have not thought about the what's next like this is my answer to that and it's okay great now it's time to actually put it in action and that's where sometimes folks will stumble a little bit or get lost because they're overwhelmed you know, just kind of coming in and you know, like, I want to be a sponge and I want to absorb everything. Like, no, you talked about being strategic. So what is now strategic look like in action? Yeah. And I think that being a sponge piece changes as well as you move up. Sometimes you don't have the time to be a sponge. Like that is actually, that doesn't exist anymore as you are moving up, not in the same capacity that it did before, right? So that idea where like, take the first year to figure it out. No, in the first year, there are some metrics. There's some things that I have had to accomplish before the end of that 365 days. And it's like, how, what do I need to do to that, that in that time period, right? Because to make some of the changes, relationships have to be built very quickly, assessing the environment very quickly. And even though people may have brought you in thinking that this is this is fertile soil, some good soil that's ready for the new seed, it may not be. So there's some cultivating that might need to happen. Some weeds got to be plucked, something mm-hmm. needs to go. Um, because everybody doesn't, people are like, oh yeah, we're ready to move forward. It's not possible. Everybody's hearts around here ain't ready for the change. People talk about change, right? Like, I, I enjoy change. no. The idea of change, but you don't want to change, which is a part of that process. 
right? And I think sometimes when you're coming in, there's some things that we have to acknowledge in this transition that your arrival is a ending and a beginning. And you have to acknowledge the ending, give it its credit, and then you can move on. Because um, some people are going to be stuck in that place if that acknowledgement doesn't happen. And just kind of piggybacking that, I think that ending and beginning is, is, is critical, especially, again, as you're really assessing that chessboard and seeing the full board, which is going to take some time. That ending may take some time, depending on, depending on the culture of where you decided to go. You may want it to end quicker so that way you can start your tenure and really start moving pieces in the ways in which they need to be moved. But part of you joining a new team and and, and being embraced and, and, and added to a, a, a new opportunity is understanding that part of your learning is the culture of what it is you're trying to be a, a mover and a shaker of. And a lot of those movement pieces may may be rooted so far deep that it's going to take some time to really unplant some things, close out those experiences, and then begin strategically thinking about how do you move things forward. You know, higher ed culturally is a tough cultural transitional experience. And and you're talking about years of folks who have been putting in work and doing things and, and for better or for worse, moving things in a direction that maybe that new leadership team is finally excited about bringing some new energy, new excitement, new skill sets to a team. But again, thinking about that soil, it may not be ready for that new talent to come in and really make the changes that are necessary for the, the growth that we're talking about. And that's where, when we talk about seeing that team, understanding who's already there, who's been who's been em- em- empowered to be in certain positions that you're going to have report to you, or you're going to be working directly with. And again, how are they planted in that soil? What 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 are their intentions? What are their skill sets? How do they align with the vision of your superior? And then how do they align with your vision? What you were brought in to do? And then how like how do those strategies then set you up to begin to do the work that you signed up to do for that for for your institution? Those are all you know 91 120 day types of conversations and experiences that hopefully will set you up to really begin to implement the strategy that you planned on uh, implementing at your institution. Oh, I got to pull this out because I think LaFerrin, you talked about this wait a year. There's different thought processes in the level of what you can see at the organization. Because there's some people who might be lower in the organization who said you came in and you turned everything upside down. And not realizing that you came in with a mandate to move immediately right? That's not a conversation that you can have with everybody, right? You don't need to go, because if, if, if your senior exec told you, I brought you in to shake the table, and literally I've been told that I brought you in to shake the table um, and to move things quickly, you know, you got to figure out, you don't have the relationships. How are you going to move this agenda through your direct reports? And there's in all of the interviews I've ever conducted or the interviews that that I've been on, no one asked this question that I think is so important. How are you achieving your agenda through your leadership team? Give me an example of how you did that successfully in the past, because you're really going to be dependent upon that team and figuring out what do you share about a vision if there has been a charge to move immediately. I had one space where uh, I went and met with the VP to 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 basically see what what's the agenda right before I tell folks and before I figure out what you got in mind for us where where do you want us to go and and this particular VP said I want you to run 
I want you to run as fast as you can in this direction and do not stop. Word for word, do not stop until I tell you to stop. Okay, show. Now, I don't know these people. I, I don't know this environment, but you're telling me that I have less than a year to produce these results because that is what you need to see to make sure that we're in alignment. Now, we did that, um, but that doesn't come without a lot of strife. A cost. A cost. Um, someone, I don't know who said this, and so it's not mine, but they said every year you have to assess. I think it was Steve. Steve Hernan said it. Yes, Steve Hernan told us. He said every year you have to assess whether or not you're willing to pay the cost because leaders, this is one of the cost of leaderships of moving an agenda very, very quickly. And you've, when, you don't know, when you don't have the relationships in place, you've got to use the team that's already there. Yeah, but I think that's to your point, right? You, you got to run and build trust and all the things at the same time. Because to your question is, how do, you, how do you move the vision with your team that you have in place? And I completely understand that. I had to build trust with that and I had to make them function as a team, especially if that wasn't in place beforehand. Because everybody's going in separate directions and I need everybody to go one direction, one band, one sound. And so you're trying to have one band, one sound at the same time, you, have, you, see, you see the mandate. You see what you got to get to at the same time, because if they don't trust you, then that's going to be a continuous battle, like like rubbing, because you you want to go and they're like, I don't want to move. I want to stand right here. Right. And, the, and the vision, yes, LaFan, the vision has to keep, you got to be a, a broken record. You're going to have to be a broken record. I've seen so many leaders say, well, I've executed. I told y'all what the vision is already. Uh, no, you got to keep saying it. If you if if I don't care if you said it 10 times, say it 11, it because someone on the team is asking for a vision. If they're asking whether or not you believe they need it or not, you got to provide that. that that's clarity and direction. Keep saying it over and over again from the highest spaces on your team down to the people who are on the front line. You got to get in between there and you can't always trust that your team is going to carry your vision, the message of your vision, the way that you do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, well, you cannot always trust that. Absolutely. I think when we think about our times at our jobs, our institution, you got to think about it like this is my lifetime as said institution. And what am I going to complete in my lifetime? Like we often talk and look at a lifetime of what's happening from my start to my end and what in the middle is the dash. You know, a lot of folks talk about that. So looking at that, you're having lifelong learning because you're constantly learning and growing because when you're done, then your time at that company or the institution is going to be done, right? So in that, you're constantly or you should be constantly thinking about the vision. Now, having that lifelong learning approach, there's two facets to that or two dimensions or two elements of thoughts. And the approach, those two, that two-prong approach is internal and external. So like thinking about that, the internal piece, you're thinking about the value and the development of your team. And like, how is that tying into the vision? And part of that vision is also knowing, you know, how am I developing them? Are we, when we look at like 
creating professional development plans? What are they what are they reading? What speakers am I bringing in? What campus partners are we learning about or new trends or having that constant that constant conversation about what's happening? You know, how are we constantly evaluating our work against the profile of our student population or the demographic that we're serving? Like understanding like those customers. And because if you're doing that and you're thinking about the vision, then your job with that internal approach, you're constantly creating value for your brand, right? And so whatever goods and services that your department or your office or whatever your charge is. So that should be happening in one lane. The other lane is external. And so that's where you're looking at thinking about your partners, who your stakeholders are, your customers. I think, Antonio, it was the last, our last episode where you were talking about often we don't think about our students as customers, but they are, you know? And so how does that, how do you generate that? Because that all ties into sustainability and we don't think about the idea of sustainability and how that keeps the vision going. And so what are those things that you're putting in place to make sure that you're able to be sustainable with the work that you're doing and you're not falling by the wayside, you know, and you're thinking about what goes into sustainability, the financials, you know, along with, you know, the filling of positions and how you're filling those positions, you know, who else is telling your story, right? Like, are we creating impact statements as our work has changed? And so how are we telling the narrative that I'm not just still doing the day-to-day, I'm doing the day-to-day on top of X, Y, and Z, because we are in a very different place and time, and it's not this it's a new normal like you can't say it's not normal because i don't know if we ever going back to that but like this is the new normal and i need people to understand that and then with those that are telling your story to help you uphold your vision are they doing it with the conviction that's needed okay that uh, understanding that we is tired (laughs) you know we is tired we need resources we were already pre-pandemic working doing more with less that does not work that formula is dead and we have to do something different now like we are in a state of emergency and no folks want to put a a bright spotlight on it and it's done time out it's over for that you know like you got to put a new formula in place and you have to look at the internal and external elements when it applies to the vision okay i'm done i think you said something that i think that i don't want folks to gloss over it's who you are choosing when you have the opportunity that will help you carry your vision forward Mm -hmm. because here's the reality of the situation sometimes when you come in and folks see that the train is moving they have figured out that they don't want to be on the train and that's okay we appreciate you peace be unto you i i pray you all i pray you what what is what does sister tabitha say i pray you Mm -hmm. things right um because it's okay because right now you're taking up space for someone who will help move us towards the vision and i think that's the part too is about we value those folks because they are an asset to what we are doing so when you are choosing your people who you're hiring, that's about who's going to continue to move this vision forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's important and how we are developing them and how we are 
you talk about that conviction. If I'm hiring you, you done bought in. You bought in. When, when you came here, you heard what I had to say. You was like, I want to be there. Uh, go ahead. I'm here. And that means I'm about to trust you with the with the vision and I'm about to ch- I'm about to trust you with the brand. Right. And so that's those are the pieces too. When you're talking about how do I bring people on one accord with where we're going? Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes, 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 sometimes have to change. Mm-hmm. Can get to the beauty. Right. And that ties into the sustainability piece because we are operating in what just happened and right now, but that's not sustainable. Like we got to look at beyond today. We got to look at beyond next week. You know, if we plan to still matter, to still be here, to still be effective for the vision to even matter, you know, and I, and and because we constantly feel like we behind the eight bar because we are, you know, and if that means that we got to sacrifice some time to be forward thinking, like thinking about the pandemic, for example, folks were like, oh, this is just going to be a 12 month thing or when, you know, 20, you know, we were in 2020, it was like 20, as soon as 2021, we need 2021 to hurry up and get here because then everything will be back to normal. No, ma'am, no Pam, no, no, not at all. Like I told my boss, I was like, this reminds me why I'm not working in healthcare. I appreciate my degree in public health, my bachelor's degree in public health and studying the years that I took studying um, health epidemiology and and work the little work that I did do in healthcare because I was like we are not in for a twelve month situation and this is going to be over. I said at minimum before we see any break in the clouds, it's going to be eighteen to twenty two months. I said you want to bet me? I, I'm good at fantasy football, but I'm better with this. So you want to bet me on that? That's where we're at. And I said that we need to be thinking about what that means at you know, month 12, month 18, month 24, and we in month 18 and we're still like, okay, we need to gather because we got to come up with this contingency. Like, where are we going to be at month 36, month 48, month 72, you know, like as we keep moving and no one is thinking about that just yet. And and how do we continue to evolve that? Because we have to think about sustainability methods and approaches. Being, it's all about being back to being strategic, like I was talking about. Kiana, I want to pick up on two things you were saying and expound on. You know, I heard Fauci when he said it'd be summer 2022. I heard him when he said mm-hmm. it. The world didn't pay attention. We've been, nope. but he told us it would be summer 2022 before we would have some semblance of normalcy again. And I think we still have to wade. We got another year to wait to get through uh, through this, you know, and we are in a down part. But I think one of the things that you talked about, Kiana, about this internal and this external piece is really about two pieces, the strategic thinking and the strategic planning. And this is how you move a vision. And those things are separate, are, are different. And for new leaders, what's most important is you've got to figure out some thinking time. One of the greatest gifts that one of... Um, my mentors gave me was thinking time. Your time now is of such high demand when you get into these senior leadership positions that everyone wants you and they want you in a different space. And so you have to get good at figuring out when do you think alone and when are you thinking with your people, bringing them in, right? You got to figure out that process of when to bring them into that strategic thinking uh, for you to help you to wrestle with ideas, not necessarily make decisions, 
That's something else that you got to understand, that you'll be called into spaces where the outcome of the space is not a decision. It is about us wrestling with the idea, and we need to come back to this at another day. But the other part about it is, especially when you're thinking about internal and external components, is what is the strategic plan? I agree right now, any playbook that we had before the pandemic needs to at least be revisited, at a minimum, revisited to see. You may even need now to think, is the mission different now on the other side of a pandemic? Is, is the values the same now on the other side of this? We, are, we have had a once-in-a-lifetime event that changes the course of how we do things. And if anyone is thinking that we're going to go back and do it the way that things were, I would seriously consider if that's someone that you need to be listening to or if they're giving you sound advice. And so you really got to wade into some strategic thinking, and some different strategic planning and questioning your entire framework of how you have been operating. Wrestle with that. You ain't got to make a decision today. We still got another year in this. But you need to get on the road, especially those of you who are new in this, but you need to get on the road to thinking about how are we structured, not just today, but what are our needs tomorrow? What are our needs tomorrow and, and how are we going to get there? The last piece I add is every leader needs the opportunity to hire at least one new person on their team. They need that opportunity. Yes. yes. Don't steal that from them. And I'm grateful to every leader that I've had who, if there was a position vacant under me, they waited until I was in the seat before they filled the position. Do them the favor to hire their own ally. This is why when you yes. say people, you said yes. when people hire folks that they know, they hire yeah. them for loyalty. They hire yep. them because they are tied to their vision. And the hope, the hope is that they're competent and capable to move that vision forward. That but <laughs> I know that I ain't always. I is. think conceptual, to your point, I think conceptually, like I think about, like I'm a football fan. And I think conceptually like how when you get a new head coach, that that head coach is bringing in his team. He is bringing in the people who he trusts. And the only reason I'm using he pronoun is because you know what the you know what the deal is, but brings in his team like that's that's it. Why? Because those are people I trust. Those are probably people that I have worked with for the last fifteen to twenty years, and I know they know my system. They know how I work. They know what my expectations are. They know what I accept, and they know what I don't. And they got my back because I don't know y'all. I done came up in here. I'm the new kid on the block. I need somebody who's also gonna be the armor bearer. Who who gonna see the things that I don't see? Who can see? see the folks is coming and also see sometimes the folks is coming in front. And I think I like that concept. And I, and sometimes in student affairs, when we have some new folks coming in, I would, and we have some vacant positions and they start putting their people in place and folks got things to say about it. You can't say something about it because sometimes those people are probably not the most competent individuals in the row. However, they brought in the people who had their back and who were going to help them move forward at the speed in which they need to based on that mandate that Antonio brought up. And I would prefer us just to let them do that than to waste our time with an interview process when you know you was going to hire them in the first place. Now, you done spoke a word, and I've said this before. I'd rather run slower with someone I trust than run fast with somebody who I don't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. loyalty over here. It's loyalty. It's, it's important ingredient. In to, for for the for the recipe, mm -hmm. I think it's it's also that loyalty and trust, right? Because, like you said, Antonio, you can run slow with somebody who you trust. Because if you trip, guess what? That person got your back. They're gonna make Come sure you're gonna have your left, your right, right. Like 
I mean, all of those type of things. You sprint with somebody who who don't have your back. You're gonna be by yourself when it when stuff start hitting the fans. So building that team with folks who you can do a 360 and know that they got you all the way around is is, is critical. And having that opportunity to bring in that team, you know you're in a good place when they're going to allow for you to build up that network, that foundation, so that way that success can be defined. Absolutely. Because we are in a time where the focus cannot be diluted when it comes to vision. And people that you don't trust, because you exude so much energy having to sometimes, you know, you thinking, constantly thinking about, you know, what to say, what you should say, what shouldn't be said, what's thoughts, who they running and telling, who, you know, how are they being saboteurs, you know, to the overall product development? Are they, you know, what are they doing? And you, you putting so much focus on that, that, is diluting your focus. And so ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> that's it right there. And that's it right there. I think as we wrap up and uh, talking, you know, one, congratulations to all the people who taking on new gigs. Congrats to you and all of that. What is uh, a leadership lesson that you have found has been very helpful for you all as you lead, as you lead the people? That's a great question, Antonio. I think what I have learned um, is that it is okay for you to admit when you have failed because you are failing forward. You acknowledge it and y'all move forward. Um, Because I think sometimes folks take so much time trying to place blame elsewhere about a failure instead of taking the responsibility. This is what we're going to do differently next time and we're going to move on. Um, and I don't think sometimes um, folks who are following you hear that often. Like, we made a mistake. We, we went right when we should have went left. We figured it out, and we're going to keep it pushing. Um, and I think that humanizes you in the process um, that you are willing to also admit when we, we got to adjust course, too. Um, so I think, for me, that's always been my biggest lesson. And also, you know, some folks are like, you should never tell somebody you don't know. But guess what? If this pandemic has taught us anything, you don't know. And we are going to operate with what we do know. And then when that information shifts and or changes, we're going to shift, change, and pivot. But in this moment, this is what we know, and these are the things we don't know. And I think that has been and will continue to be um, the lesson that I got got from this panorama, um, but also, you know, continuing to move up in leadership is being okay to say that we made a mistake. And we're going to fix it and keep it pushing. You know, I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is, uh, and I continue to learn from this is, you know, I remember growing up, you know, asking that question, why, right? And I think we've talked about that in previous episodes, but um, the importance of in spaces with your leadership team, with your team, being okay and comfortable with asking the question, why, why are we doing this? You know, what 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 are the reasons that this decision was made? And it's, you know, and, and now we're being asked to do things. Um, I think that question gives us an opportunity to to learn, to learn from the folks around us, uh, from our supervisors, it provides an opportunity for our supervisees to gain an insight in regards to how leadership is being demonstrated. It helps them start to identify their competencies that need to be 
groomed, right? But it also keeps us honest. You know, it keeps me, it has kept me honest in regards to what my purpose is, um, what our purpose needs to be, what our values need to be. Are we aligned with those things that we said we wanted to do, um, but maybe straying away or maybe things need to change, right? So I think um, remaining true to that question, why, why are we doing things, um, I think helps us really stay aligned with the vision and direction of where we're trying to go as an organization, but also um, for me, what I'm trying to do personally and professionally um, while I'm out here in these streets. So besides what I've shared previously about blooming where you're planted, um, you know, bloom, be planted, be engaged, you here till you not, I would also say sit in the mess. Sometimes it's mess you created as a leader, or sometimes it's the mess of the circumstance. And we all sitting in the crap right now of multitude of crap of things, right? It's just a roll downhill as an avalanche, I feel like, oh, and we all in here waiting in, in, in the mess. And sometimes, you know, it is not advantageous to be, I know we, some of us like to be the glass half full and be like, but there's hope. And there is, right? Like we know the cloud, there will be a break in the cloud sometimes, it, sometime later, right? But sometimes your team and, you know, your other leaders under you don't need to hear, well, the sun to come out tomorrow. Sometimes you just need to be in it. And, and that can be overwhelming. That can bring on some anxiety, some anxiousness, some fear, um, and some stress. Because as leaders, naturally, we want to fix it. You know, we want to channel our inner Olivia Pope and be the professional fixer and fix it. And sometimes folks don't need that. Like, I don't need you to give me the sun to come out tomorrow song and dance. I just need you to hear me and sit in it with me, right? And so um, I was talking with my boss about that today and about like how sometimes folks struggle, leadership struggles with that. And you got to choose your moment. You got to choose your moment when do the, let the boom, rah, rah, let's, let's lean in and be together and, you know, have your, this is Sparta moment to, yep, I'm a, I'm a, it, it sucks and acknowledge that. And, you know, we here. And, 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 and sometimes your team just needs that, you know, or if you created the mess, like, yep, I done messed up and here we are and we in it and let them and be silent just be pa just pause and be silent and let them unload you will find that often if you pause and you allow for them to unload they may resolve it on their own because you allow for space for them to unpack what they needed to unpack and sometimes you'll find because you are the fixer and while your intentions are good because your team knows who you are they know you have the capacity to give the cheer up speech and you know i need to watch Ted lasso like he my boss been talking about Ted lasso too and like he's this coach and motivating and a lot of higher ed folks are relating to that um and i'm it's on my list but with the whole pep talks and stuff, but sometimes you just need to just wait, just pause and allow to be in the mess with your people. 
you know, and, and, and just let them be in that moment because they may also self-soothe with allowing for that time to be able to unload and give it to you and, and not expecting for you to have a solution in that moment, but leaving space for them to do so. Oh, that's good. And Ted Lasso is, there should be a course on leadership out of Ted Lasso. I'm going to start this weekend. Uh, uh, things to do and things not to do. Okay, it's going it's gonna to give all of that to you. I think uh, the lesson that I keep cultivating is the, the flying V. You know, ducks fly in a V. This space, when you're thinking about, who, one, who is flying with you? This, just, just who's flying with you? And there's three type of people that you need to fly with you. That, that is someone who's been where, you've, where you're trying to go or has some idea of that someone who's along for this ride with you, and then someone who's trying to get to where you're at. And that can be inside or outside of your organization. And I love when it's inside because I think leaders, especially those at the senior, you got to have an ear to the ground about what's happening on your front line. And with some of our organizations, they are so massive and so large where you are so, you can be so removed from the day-to-day happenings in your organization that you forget what it's like to be a newbie or you don't see how your decisions are impacting people in that way. Um, But that folks who you're flying with will really help insulate you. Uh, And I use the term insulate because there are times when the wilds of leadership will really beat you down. And uh, that flying V will help you to figure out when are times when you need to be at the front of the pack or when you got that team member who has more expertise, has a different skill set, you need to fall back and you need to let somebody else shine Yes. Uh, so that you can regain your strength. There is, there is recharging in falling to the back and knowing. And the last part about that, that flying V is when do we come from the air and when do we land? That's a decision you will have to make every day in leadership. When do we stay in the air And when do we need to get down on the ground? Because the crew is tired, because I'm tired, because we can't fly anymore at this speed. The the wind is too much, right? No matter who flying with you, it's too much. We need to land and we need to pause. And I think that is the lesson of the Flying V that I continue to navigate time and time again. And sometimes a duck leaves the formation. Somebody's going to come get you somebody is going to come and get you. There's no person left behind. Somebody going to come mm-hmm. and get you. So that's my, that's my piece. So y'all, that, I hope for folks who are listening to us that they found that helpful. Congrats again to everybody who's, who's moving and shaking and doing your thing. But Kiana, I think we got a question. We right. do. You know, um, with BlackSap, um, I work with the folks who submit the anonymous questions. Um, and they had also said, I want to submit it for the show. And so I said, I think this was a good one because it made me think about a, a, a number of different things. And I think a lot of our younger professionals, but I think it can also be expanded, you know, um, uh, for whether our, whatever level. So younger or mid, um, especially as it relates to professionals of color. So the question is, I have a very difficult student staff member on my team who is very abrasive towards me and undermines my authority. 
areas of concern is the student's tone, inability to communicate in a professional manner, and unwilling to adjust to change and new approaches. At first, I thought it was just one a one-off encounter, but I've had several more negative interactions with, and the behavior needs to be addressed immediately. Reaching out to see if anyone can provide any guidance on how to best support student leaders in their development, specifically regarding tone and communication. How can I best protect myself in this situation? The student is a white student, uh, very privileged, very entitled, and I imagine they will not perceive this conversation um, to be a re be receptive to this conversation. So I want to make sure I am fully prepared. I appreciate any feedback or insight. So this conversation, this question made me think about often as a, as, I'll, I'll speak for myself as a black woman, as, you know, a thick black woman, plus, teen plus size. Um, often I had, I have reflected over feedback that I had received at times as a supervisor, you know, that I, I could come off as intimidating, that um, I'm too direct and all of those things. So all of those like ideas would float often in the back of my head when it came to my approach to staff, specifically white staff, right? And um, how to navigate because oftentimes it was that feedback often came from white staff. And so I feel like thinking about this person's question, it triggered me in a way that that was something that I would have to navigate and think about in the sense of, let me be thoughtful around my approach and situation. So I, I feel like we can answer this in a number of different ways because we have the profile of the particular student in question, but just supervising students and even evolving that because I think that that happens at every level of supervision um, that the question can be applied to insert, i.e. whatever level of staff. Thoughts, friends, what do you think? I think folks can't be afraid to approach students regardless of what we may think someone is intimidated by us. Here's the thing, we walk into a state space and people are intimidated by us. But I think this is, I think we do, sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we're trying to be so educational in the process that we don't actually correct the problem. And I think in this particular case, because this seems like there have been multiple incidents where this is becoming apparent. You're talking about questioning authority. So I'm also, um, and undermining. So I also understand that this is probably happening in front of others and things of that nature. And so it is important to have the conversation to correct the behavior so it doesn't continue. And sometimes you do have to put a little bass in your voice, like this can't continue and this is why. And I think you can have a productive educational conversation and still be true to who you are. And even if the student has problems, you still need to document that student need to document that you had that conversation because that is important because if it happens again, we can't say that this never happened, right? You document it, you send a you send something to that student that says, thank you for meeting with me the other day. Below is a summary of some things that we discussed and our action plan moving forward so that they have a copy of what you all discussed and all those things because if it happens again, now we're in a different place, right? This isn't the first time this has been brought to your attention. Um, and so now because behavior hasn't changed there are some other things that now have to happen, right? Based on the expectations that have been set and the plan that has been put in place. But I think 
And I think sometimes when I think about this with young Black professionals, it's always, you know, race is the front of the mind, like this is everybody's interacting with my race. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but that can't be our mindset every time we have to confront, right? Because we have to, right? And so people are going to say you're aggressive, abrasive, and all of those things. Okay, fine. But how... How are you walking into the space to handle the conversation? Mm-hmm. These are some things that have been brought to my attention. These are some things that I have observed. These are some things. So let's talk about all X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Right. I said, but we can't be afraid to confront because of we're because we are afraid of the perception. I think building on that, we have to be committed to educating through the accountability process, regardless yeah. of the battle. We have to think about the fact that regardless of the privilege level uh, of the experience, the life experience, um, where they're coming from in the moment of the situation, our commitment is to make sure that through our accountability process, we're, we're gonna have that conversation, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be, we owe it to that student to call them out in that moment in regards to the behaviors that's being demonstrated and ensure that they know that we, 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 we they have our attention and we want to make sure that we're committed to addressing that behavior so long as they're a part of our process. So, um, so, so we're, we're going to demonstrate our, our abilities and our skill sets and our commitment to their development in a way where they understand that we're not going to let that stuff fly and we're going to document and have the conversations uh, and make sure they understand what our values and expectations are within the community, period. And if they can't, as a staff member, align with the expectations of the team and of our uh, of our supervisory you know lens then at some point this this isn't going to work because we're going to hold them accountable to the standards of the performance that we're expecting because we know that they can be better we know that they can grow and roll but it's their choice mm-hmm. i think something you said the accountability process and so i think about it twofold there's the accountability process and then hopefully we're creating um what i like to always say it's a living breathing document a set of expectations and that we've gone over those expectations at the beginning of the year and that that part of the expectation section also includes communication and knowing that I'm going to be able to provide you feedback, but it's a two-way street. And I also will be the receiver of feedback. But um, when, when there's an issue or I think a behavior, or I may feel, did they, did they turn up a little bit in the response? Or, you know, let me take a seek to understand approach and, and, and call it out. And like, you know, I just want to get an understanding because your tone there in that or your response. And I think often we shrink ourselves because we don't want to then it backfire on us. And then we are seen as the problem of the person creating conflict, but taking a seat to understand approach, you know, also working with your supervisor of, you know, Am I reading into this or did I I feel like this happened? And, you know, as the person said, I I thought it was a one-off thing, but then it happened again. And then there's these other things. So now you you have a list of ongoing things that that's where we enter revisiting those expectations of modes of communication, also giving them feedback and, you know, then moving towards the accountability process if it needs to go in that route and, you know, expanding upon that and not being afraid of that. Because the other place I feel like that often comes into play where 
we sometimes are challenged, right, with communication is in conduct meetings. A lot of us serve as conduct officers, and you'll have a student to come in that safe space in that same with some of those same demographics or profile of attitude. And you're going to still have that conduct meeting. You're going to still hold them accountable should they need to be held accountable, you know, um, and, and moving forward and having to lay down those expectations. I know that that can be sometimes overwhelming and intimidating, but, you know, finding ways to self-cope in the moment to lean into some of that. And then if it's out of hand, then shut it down, you know, of, this might not be the right fit or the right opportunity. And we might need to escalate that and bring in some other people, you know, whether that's from, if your student employment office, because some schools, their student employment office is heavily involved when it comes to student um, uh, behavior or performance, or if it's within your department, who that is. So it can be a larger conversation, you know, giving them quotes of this is not, appropriate or not a professional setting because it is a place of learning and that they just can't talk out the side of their face to anybody. That question about preparation, how do you prepare for it? Make a list of the things that you want to talk about so that you make sure that you cover each of those pieces in that conversation um, as well. All right, y'all. All right. I thought this was great. I believe it can also apply to other levels as well, having that approach. You got to have those expectations. You got to have that framework in place. And then also know that it can be revisited. It's not just something you have in July when doing onboarding or fall training. Um, it can be revisited, um, but you got to have it there to revisit it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, friends. This is a great talk, y'all. That was a, that's all right. That's all right.